I am Shondell Wilhite, and I was once a victim of sexual and domestic abuse until one day I realized that I had a problem and decided to do something about it. Then I began to shine. I S spoke out and got out of that toxic relationship. H helped myself. I ignited my own fire. N I never looked back and E I evolved. I am the published author of my first book entitled The Reality Behind the Illusion. And I am making a difference through my truths and inspiring lives on how to defeat giants of sexual and domestic abuse. I changed my mind about being afraid and ashamed of my past and instead now I embrace it so that I can reach out to others and let them know they are not alone and they too can shine. Good evening. Welcome to Shine with Shondell. I am your host, Shondell Will Height, and we have an amazing show coming up for you tonight. This evening, we are going to be talking about one of those subjects that nobody likes to talk about, and that is church hurt. And I have a beautiful young lady that's going to join me this evening in this conversation. And um, I met this young lady on Clubhouse, and uh, we enter into a devotion every morning at 9 a.m. And so I want to go ahead and bring her in. Her name is Cheryl Jeffries, and we know her as Cheryl. Peace. Hello, beautiful. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I am well. I am well. I am so happy that you accepted my invitation to come on tonight. Yes, thank you for the invitation. I'm privileged. Yes, I am excited about this conversation because, as I said, this is one of those things that no one wants to talk about. And we're talking about it tonight, right on Shine with Shondell. So first off, let's just get to know you a little bit. Um, Just tell us where you grew up and maybe a fun fact about you. Okay, so I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And a fun fact about me is that let me look at my notes here. There's so many facts, like which one did I choose? I chose being a pre-K teacher. <laughs> so I say that's fun because it allows me to be my full self in my humorous state. Like I love being in my humorous state versus like my serious, serious state. So the younger they are, the more they bring that how could I put it? Just that that life, the that that life, that unique. Absolutely. Ways that the Lord made me with, you know, just that that vividness of Absolutely. my silliness. It really matches the four year olds that I work with. So that's why I said it's a it's a fun fact. So it sounds professional, but it's really a fun fact for me. I've been teaching for thirteen years, and it took me a while to find my niche. So now that I found my niche, I'm like, it's a fun fact for me. <laughs> wow, you have to have a lot of patience to be with some four year olds all day long. 
I do, but my humor helps me get through it. It actually takes more patience and it's more of a struggle the the older the ages get for me. For whatever reason, maybe it's the restrictions on the curriculum and the way the day is structured. I don't know, but yeah, pre-K for me, I'm I'm completely designed for that. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, I have a two-year-old grandbaby. Um, a nine-year-old and a one and a half month old grandbaby. Okay. <laughs> and I had two-year-old and that little that little bitty one last night. <laughs> they wore me out. Okay. Yes. <laughs> they wore me out. And so um I can just about imagine what your days are like. And you say for 13 years, has it always been pre-K? No, I taught um, in Miami. I taught kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. Uh, Then I taught in Minnesota. That's where I am now. And I've taught pre-K, kindergarten, first and second. So that's why I was like, it took me forever because teachers and administration in the education field, they're always asking me, what's your favorite grade? What's your favorite grade? And I'm like, it depends on the school year. It depends yep. on the team. You know, my my peers, my coworkers, it depends on, you know, uh, the school administration, you know, but this is yep. the first time that I could say, regardless of my coworkers, regardless of the administration, I know that this age is for me and I'm, I, I'm full of the energy. I wear them out. They don't wear me out. I wear them out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That is too funny. Yes, so um, how was it for you growing up then? I mean, do you have siblings? Um, how was it for, for you? Were you athletic? Did you play sports? That kind of thing? Yeah. So growing up for me, I do have siblings. I have an oldest sister who passed. She was severe, severely disabled. I have an older sister who's just under the one who passed. And then I have a younger sister and five brothers. We didn't all grow up in the same household, but I grew up in the same household as my two oldest sisters. But when we all come together, you could not tell that we were growing up in separate households. When all my brothers get together, the way we embrace each other with love, it's like we had known each other all along. And we have had the blessing of having mothers that have not talked you know, down upon our dad or about each other, like whatever was going on with grown folk, we stayed in the child's place and they didn't have us in those type of conversations where we had to grow up with any type of adverse feelings towards one another. So that's one thing that I realized as an adult. So that was a huge blessing. And as far as being athletic, uh, definitely athletic, got that from my dad and my mom. So I've tried many sports, but the only one that I really mastered was gymnastics. That's why okay. I was like, what should I say for a fun fact? <laughs> so now you get to know that. Wow. So, yeah. Were you going to say something else? Cause I, I was just saying gymnastics. Wow. I would have never guessed, um, gymnastics. I had a, I had a relative that took gymnastics back in the day and I just could never imagine just balancing myself on those beams and all of that stuff. I'm just like, I'll be gonna kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the floor, I would say the floor was my favorite. I love doing my tumbling passes on the floor. Like that's where my strength was. And then okay. I like the uneven bars because I like flying around. And then 
came the beam and then vault was like the worst because I could never get my running steps down Mm -hmm. path, like going down, you know, the runway. And that had to be as exact as possible and as consistent as possible. So you can hit that, that uh, jumping board. I forgot the terms, but that jumping board to hit the vault, right? So I never really mastered that one, but it was, I was average for that, for that apparatus. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's all right. That's all right. Okay. Well, now we have been talking about church hurt and just listening to some of your testimonies when we are in this devotion. Now, this devotion is renewing of the mindset daily, right? And um, it's on Clubhouse. It's every morning at 9 a.m. And, you know, I want to tell you, first off, that that has truly been a blessing for me, because as you have experienced, I have experienced church hurt myself. Mm. And that was the reason why, you know, I was searching for something that I can tap into and just really get the word, you know, because I have been a member of of my church for over 25 years Mm. and just last year during the pandemic there was this big scandal that came out with my pastor in here in Dallas Texas and there was some sexual allegations and then there was some abusive allegations that you know, kept going on and on and on. It's like when one came, of course, you know, all the others came trickling down. Mm -hmm. And so with me being an advocate to end sexual and domestic abuse, I'm like, um, okay, I cannot follow this guy anymore because that is just not going to be cool for me to do considering what I advocate against, you know? And so um, I just felt like it was something that really, truly needs to be talked about um, and dealt with and how people can really overcome it. Because this is one of those things that I feel like is just like domestic violence. You know, we just kind of sweep it under the rug. We don't want to talk about it. You know, we got these prestigious people in power and leadership and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's hard to come up against those kind of people because it's just like, oh, wait a minute. Who is she? Why is she trying to destroy him? And that kind of thing. You know what I mean? So, yeah, we're going to talk about it tonight. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So in um, some of the devotion devotionals, you talk about... um, um, the church hurt that you experienced. And so first off, I want to know, do you have a religious preference? I do. I would consider myself a born again believer and accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So that's my faith. Okay. Okay. And um, with that, how do you feel about dating men in the church because see here's the thing because you know 
most people always say, yeah, you, you, you need to find you a church girl. You need to find you a guy in the church. You need to find, you know, somebody that's in the Lord, that's in Christ, that's, that's, um, you know, doing the, the godly thing. And so what I've come to find out is some of the church folk can be the worst ones to, to be choosing from. So what is your opinion on that? Let's see, you're going to have to cut me off and guide me because I have a mouthful to say about that. So I ain't even going to look at my notes. My, my notes are very politically correct, but I'll start off by saying I am against dating in the church in the context of it being a romantic sense. And I know that that's popular for you know the church folk to have the, the boyfriend and girlfriend thing, but I think that that's a way that we have kind of adapted to because of the world around us and how the world does things, you know? So, and I know other faiths may not practice um, the same exact thing because I know there's arranged marriages and there are other faiths that are more strict, Um, but just outside of those other faiths, just the world in general, those that maybe not operating in a faith at all of a higher power or what what have you. um, Yeah, they, they typically have that, you know, going off of how they feel. And then we bring that, same way of operating into the church. And I don't believe that that's how the Lord designed it. I believe that the Lord designed it for us to get to know each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And then from there, if we have a desire, we may be, and I mean, it's natural to have a, a physical attraction for somebody, but I don't believe we're supposed to act on it. I think that's where things go wrong. I think we're supposed to take that to take that to the Lord in prayer and seek him about, you know, how we should go about, you know, with our steps, with getting to know this person. Then you got to be aware of yourself and where you are as far as your maturity and your self-control and, you know, just wisdom too. So if you lack wisdom and you call yourself starting to hang out with so-and-so who you like, that's when mm-hmm. stuff goes left really quick, you know, and even leadership don't always have the best advice for you in those situations because they were doing the same thing and they don't know any better. They they were, you know, going off of their feelings when they, you know, met their spouse and what have you. So anyhow, I just believe that we should get to know each other as friends and again, not moving on physical attraction, but just like you would do with um, any, any friends that you've developed in a healthy way. And for example, if you saw someone um, be a male or female, and you all mm-hmm. have the same interests. You just connected on that level, like, oh, you like that kind of music? Oh, this concert is going on. Oh, mm-hmm. you like this? Um, this kind of topic? Let's talk about this. You know, just like how you and I met on Clubhouse. It's like, oh, we can relate about the church hurt. Let's let's talk about this publicly. You know, so I think it should be the friendship should just be based on common interests, goals, how we can support one another, how we can help each other grow in Christ. And I, I, I don't want to sound so rigid and restrictive, but I mean, we do this naturally anyways, when it comes to our platonic friendships, we just need yeah. to carry over the same principles. So things aren't going left so quick, but when we're just kind of going off of impulse and how we feel, I just think it limits the Lord and how to, um, for us to hear him clearly on giving us direction. Cause I believe he's talking all the time to people, even unbelievers, he's always guiding us, but our ears aren't necessarily open because our will is so strong and our feelings are so strong. And then we end up learning things the hard way. So yep. 
I like that statement you made about, you know, how we have this belief out there that, you know, church folk is, can be the worst ones sometimes. And that, those were the exact things spoken about in my Bible study this, uh, this morning at my church. And what came to my mind is that it's, I think the expectation, the fault that I had is having to someone well enough and putting this expectation on somebody thinking that, Oh, because they have this this knowledge, or assuming they have a certain knowledge or wisdom, and then going off going off too fast and too deep into certain relationships, even friendships, even counsel, and then mm-hmm. finding out the hard way that this person did not have wisdom in that area, or this person did not have your best interests, or they have favorites over here and over there, and then we end up making those statements like, you know, church folks, church folks are the worst, and then we got to remember too what the Lord has to teach me is that everybody's not a believer that's in church and everybody's not mature that's in church. We have all kind of folks in here and we think just because yep. we all showed up that you know we're all mature. I mean, I think we all understand that no one's perfect. I think we got that part right. But yep. our expectation is just higher than it should be for someone. We'll think someone knows more, has a certain level of wisdom than what we end up finding out. So that was a long answer to your question on. But you know, no, it was good because, you know, as I'm sitting here listening to you, you know, I I separated church, dating, and um, all the other stuff. I wanted it to be separate from the place that I went to worship. You know what I'm saying? I don't, and, and I was one of those people. I didn't even want to fellowship much after church with people because then I would get to know them. Mm. And then it would be the same as anywhere else, because what I've realized is, Wherever you spend most of your time is where all of the things are going to go down. And so I didn't even like just being there a whole lot. You know, I would do sometimes our um, our Bible study. I would do my morning service. I would speak to the little people in my area. And right after I'm out of there because I don't want to hear anything about what who's doing who's done this who's with this person I didn't want to hear none of that when it came to my place of worship so I kept it very very separate and I did and I never and 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 people would always say that have visited my church they was like oh my god all of these men in here why don't you have a husband or why aren't you with one of those men that's in it's so many nice looking men in this church and I just never ever ever looked at them in that manner and it was it's funny because when you said you know you were against it it's just like you know you need to uh, just like focus on the things that you have in common or your goals and that kind of thing. And I just think that that's true, that that's what people should be doing because then if something happens, let's say two people got together, something happens and it falls apart. Mm. Now it's like, 
I've got to see you in my place of worship mm-hmm. where I go to get better, to cleanse my heart. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And I'm feeling some kind of way because we've fallen out and that's a big old mess. Yeah. So I'm with you on that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we have a whole part two. If I were to go into all the stories, I would scare right. <laughs> right, right. And so speaking of stories, mm. you mentioned being church hurt yourself. So can you expound on that? Yes, I will. And like I said, feel free to cut me off or tell me to scale back because sometimes I get too detailed, get caught up in the story and miss the point to help the folk, to help the people. So um, yeah, the I started dating. I think I was maybe just gotten saved within maybe a month to two months because I got mm-hmm. saved in the summer. It was like the month of July. I got saved at home. I became a believer reading the word at home. Someone told me to read the word. So I started reading the word, got, got saved at home. That's another story. One of my friends invited me to a church. So I got there. And the moment I walked through the door, there was a gentleman who was very kind, very helpful, just always opened up the door, just always putting himself in position, you know, to be there to help me. And then my car ended up breaking down somewhere along the, somewhere along the path. And then he was helping me, giving me rides to church. So the deep falling didn't happen right away. It's the little things that start adding up. So then, yep. then it's, oh, let's go to dinner. Um, let's, let's do lunch. Now more time is building up. I'm starting to have an interest in this guy. Cause I didn't have an interest in, in him before, you know, I, I just, I'm fresh out the world. So I'm like still thinking about guys in the world. I ain't thinking about him, you know, just something positive to do. So getting about three months in, four months in, uh, that's when it, that physical attraction started to develop on my end. I can't speak for when it happened on his end, but I know by the time I was, you know, attracted to him, he was definitely attracted to me. The hugs were longer and Mm -hmm. uh, to say for the sake of time, the, the falling happened within a month of the hugs being longer and people saw we were starting to spend more time together. So doing what church leaders should do, you know, they kind of jumped in, wanted to start asking me questions. How was I doing? What was happening in the relationship? What were we doing? And I was like excited, like, yes, I'm about to get some help. I'm about to get some guidance. So like I said, all together, I'm about, you know, going on about six months in because things started getting messy around that February, March era. And I joined the church like in September, October-ish. So that is when it, that's when the battle really began. So I answered all these questions. I was an open book and I'd always been an open book since I was, uh, since I was an unbeliever. I'm like, you know, what, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to tell them everything that's going on. And I mean, the questions were very detailed down to wanting to know what, what was the specific fall and how did the specific fall happen? But I ain't got no shame. I didn't grow up an embarrassed person. I didn't grow up dealing with pride in that type of way where I had, I've never been on a pedestal or in a position where I had to keep a reputation. So it was very easy for me to be like, oh, well, we did this and we did that. And so not knowing that she got concerned, well, which I found out later, that was the whole point of her coming to me, her and a few other uh, people who were actually in leadership and family. So I'm not even having foresight of what's happening. I'm thinking I'm getting help, but fast forward. And if you hear some meowing in the back, that's my cat. She always wants to get involved when I'm talking. And she no came problem. Part of the 
So she's trying to be a part. Okay. So anyway, um, yeah, her bless a little heart. Uh, so what ended up happening was um, after everyone got involved to help, I found out later through the young man, because I started putting pressure on him after the fall, like thinking, okay, well, in church, don't we get married? You don't just sleep with somebody and 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 that's it. You know, I'm thinking we're going to go for it. So when I started asking those intentional questions, which was yep. backwards, right? Because I came from out the world. I'm doing stuff the world's way. But yep. thinking that I just had this higher expectation of him thinking, well, you're not going to fall with somebody that you don't want to marry. Who does that in the church? You know, mm-hmm. so because I have grown up in a church. I have no church upbringing or anything. So I'm thinking it was an innocent question. And once I started seeing him kind of move like how worldly men move with the kind of curving around my questions and all that. So you got this going on. Um, he started to be, uh, how could I say, maybe irritated, annoyed, feeling that that pressure of me wanting to be married. And that's not what he was looking for. I was just a time filler. Those, those are my words, not his. Um, then uh, fast forwarding. Oh, he ended up telling me about what his mom, who was the first lady and his sisters were saying behind my back. And oh, so man. I guess he thought I was the type of person that was going to be embarrassed or ashamed or kind of shy away I don't know what he was thinking but again I'm fresh out the world with no church etiquette and I was like oh yeah they said what about me that's not true let me call up some folks that's where my mindset was so I called up people he didn't expect me to do that and um that's when she you know gently apologized and then we ended up having a, a church meeting with you know the family and why did you tell her this why did you tell her that and so to make a long story short, and just, again, I'm only doing this for the sake of time. So I I want time for you to ask necessary questions for you to get the information you need. But um, to make a long story short, after we had our uh, meeting, it ended up being that her whole thing was just apologizing to me about, you know, loving her son more and wanting to uh, help him out and protect his name and his reputation. And she's telling me this as if I'm supposed to feel better, but it actually just kind of put, it twisted the dagger in my heart because that's where I was kind of like, wait a minute. So all this stuff was to protect his name and his reputation. Where do we do that? And I'm thinking if I had known that, I wouldn't have told you nothing. I would try to figure out my own way out of, you know, Uh out of this situation. And then I got the dad telling me, oh, you know, people, um, what did he say? He said something like, oh, well, good luck finding a man who ain't going to try before they buy it. This is the head pastor telling me this. So I turned. I didn't get the help I needed. The sister was like, I don't like you. Um, the Lord is dealing with me about that. I, I don't think you're good enough for him. And don't tell me nothing about my brother. I'm gonna let the Lord deal with me on that. Like she didn't want to hear my side or wanted to hear about what was going on in the relationship, but she wanted the Lord to deal with her concerning how she felt about me. And I'm like, well, how was there an open door or any you know, how how do I get any peace or sanity out of this? You're telling me you don't like me. You're telling me, um, you're not giving me a good reason for me to even work with or explain myself. You're just saying, I don't know, the Lord going to have to deal with me, but you're not good enough for him and X, Y, and Z. So it's like, it didn't matter where I turned. And these were the main leaders in the church. Yeah. It was like the the dagger just, again, it got twisted by the mother, got twisted by, um, you know, the pastor, got twisted by the sister. And then you had the unlookers who just weren't going to do anything. They kept silent and I don't know if they were praying. I don't know if they were like, they didn't want to get in the middle of it because, you know, they had known the pastor for so long, but it wasn't until maybe three years in where people started speaking up because again, for the sake of time, 
things got worse. Another girl came into church and it just, the same thing repeated itself. And they, that's when they started being like, okay, we got to address the pastor and address this situation. But by then I was on my way out and found a new church. Yeah. And then, you know, I think that with that being said, and how the family, you know, comes together to protect what's been done, to protect the son and protect his name. Mm. You know, it's not just in church. Right. Okay. And and what I had to what I had to realize as well is these people are still flesh. Yes. And so even though we put it, put them up to a higher standard to where we feel like, like you were saying, you know, whoa, I started sensing some worldliness <sighs> from him, from the guys that I've already dealt with in my past. And, you know, I'm thinking things are supposed to be different. Because you're a leader, a man of God, your father is a, a minister. The leader, your head pastor. Yeah, yeah, the head pastor. And, you know, we got the first lady, your mom. And so everybody is trying to uh, protect this guy. And that's how I feel when it comes to the thing that I advocate for is the domestic violence because it's always that, um, and I'm going to bring up this, this term narcissist. Yes. You know, and, and they always try to make themselves appear to be, you know, more than what they put out to be. And try to get everybody on their side to look at their side of the story and really basically just put you down like you're nothing. And are just even like the sister, you know, I don't even like you. I don't think you're good enough. And this and all of those words, those insulting things that they're saying are very, very abusive. Yeah. And that's where, you know, that spiritual abuse comes in because people feel like it's just physical. Mm. It's not just physical. There's spiritual abuse as well, where we're having this type of thing go on, where, you know, it's okay that he's doing this, 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 and this, because we're going to protect him. We're not going to bring this thing up to where everybody knows and we want to make sure that they don't say nothing either. Mm. So it's still that silence that people want you to um, practice the silence and where you have this person that is suffering in the silence because now it's just like you're not even addressing this issue that has come up and you're trying to protect this person. What's up with that? You know, so I'm glad that this was brought up because I felt like it was something that 
you know, actually really needed to be talked about and discussed because even as human beings and even as being a PK, a preacher's kid, and even being the head minister of a church, saying something like, well, don't think that, you know, somebody's not going to test the waters and this. And I mean, you know, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gave me no encouragement, no help. Right. No help, no hope. Like, expect this. This is what's going to happen no matter where you go. Yeah. Expect it. Mm-hmm. And so when we when we hear those kinds of things that come from the people that, you know, we tend to look up to as leaders. And the thing about it is, and and what I really wanted to bring out in this conversation is that we have to have our own personal relationship with God. Because when all of this happened with my pastor and I just sit there and I thought about it and I was just like, you know, I can't judge or any of that. Um, but I held him to a higher standard. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the fact that, you know, what happened with these ladies that brought this up, it was years ago, but there's still this thing that's happening right today. So it's just like, well, it's not being addressed by you. Now you will address everything else. Yes. But why is this not being addressed yes. by you? Like, did you do this? Yep. You know what I mean? Because then a person could you know, at least have somewhat of a little respect for you for admitting and owning what you did. But when you try to cover it up, right? like you didn't have no parts of that, that's when I have the problem. Yes. Yes, ma'am. I agree. That's when I have the problem. So let me ask you this. What did you do that helped you because you were saying, you know, you weren't getting any help from anybody. What did you do that helped you to overcome that hurt? Well, the first thing I did was left that church (laughs) and I wasn't even sure (laughs) that I was even supposed to leave because he really preached hard on, you know, anytime you disobey the Lord, um, it's witchcraft. And if the Lord didn't tell you to leave, I mean, I wasn't sure what the Lord was telling me. I was still a babe. Like, I ain't know how to hear from the Lord. I mean, I was reading the word, but it didn't tell me nothing about when to leave a church and when not, or at least I wasn't getting that understanding from the word. And I remember uh, the pastor being like, you know, the Lord was, would tell him things. And if the Lord didn't reveal it to him, if he didn't know about it, then it must not be the Lord, you know, that type of, that type of uh, type of leadership. And I'm like, okay, well, the Lord ain't telling nobody in here. I need to leave, but this is getting really painful. It's not getting any better. I'm acting up worse because I can't, I can't grow. And um, it was very difficult for me to transform. So I'm coming in here with my temper from out the world. I'm starting to, you know, argue with him in front of church folk in front of the church. So 
I'm looking a clown, you know, so that'll make the situation better. So I was like, I'm just going to leave because I'd rather leave. One thing I know is if God going to whoop me, he's going to have to whoop me for going to a new church for trying to start over instead of me being in a church and coming up against leadership and looking a clown because I don't have the temperament to deal with all this stuff. And I'm making matters worse over here. So the Lord going to discipline me, going to discipline them. We are going to be in trouble. So let me just leave. So I started by going to another ministry. And what was amazing about it was when I got to this other ministry and I was invited by uh, someone from another church, um, the first thing the pastor said was, you all should never have to hear a minister. And I'm telling you, this, this pastor didn't know me from Adam. This is how I know it was the Lord. He said, you should never have to hear a minister tell you or any man for that matter that they have to try it before they buy it. And when I heard that, I just broke out in tears like, Lord, you heard that conversation. Wow. And I mean, you must have been highly upset with that because no matter how common this is happening in the church, that should not be our expectation, especially of leadership. You know, mm-hmm. so when he said that, I was like, thank you, Lord. And this ministry had a a specific focus on being transformed and being sexually abstinent. There was a lot of youth in this church. And so the Lord gave me an eyewitness. I got to be an eyewitness of several youth who had been sexually abstinent for from months to years um, not having had to date anyone romantically and letting the Lord really speak to them about who their spouse would be. And those people ended up getting married, still married to this day with wonderful testimonies. I mean, I'm not in the house to, you know, their house to see the details of the marriage, but those who didn't follow that process and left the church or, you know, didn't, um, didn't follow through with being mature in their transformation. I heard how some of those marriages ended. So the Lord made sure of it to me that if it, if it was someone who followed the process, so far, like I said, I have not heard anything wrong. And it's been over a decade because I, I was at that church, I believe, in 2008. And now we're in 2021. And those who had left the church prematurely and had, to, and I knew these people personally. So I know both sides from the women and the men of people who left early, those who weren't um, following through with their transformation, um, staying sexually abstinent. I got to see the difference between those who did and those who didn't. And not that our transformation is dependent upon sexual abstinence because that pastor made it clear that that's, that's one of many things we need to be doing to mature, you know, Um, but he was against the girlfriend, boyfriend. He didn't tolerate none of that stuff in the church and people are grown. They could do what they want to do, but he preached against it so hard. You weren't comfortable up in there, walking up in there, talking about you had a girlfriend or you had a boyfriend and y'all sitting up here with your arms wrapped around each other. And you know, that, that didn't happen there at that ministry. So that was the start of my healing. And then taking, um, I would say accountability for, you know, just doing my part, you know, you're, you're, Mm -hmm. I'm learning the word, do what I know to do, be sexually abstinent. You may not know nothing else, but get your temper together, get your uh, sexual abstinence together. And no matter who, uh, no matter what minister, a non-minister, it don't matter who it is, just practice what you know to do right. That way you can't shift the blame. You can't point the finger and I'm not letting them off the hook by any means, but I also want to focus on myself in the yeah. part that I have in it, because at the end of the day, I can't depend on man to get me to heaven. And that is the, the biggest lesson. And I had to shift my focus to why I come to church as, as similar to what you were saying. I don't come here to make friends, not saying we shouldn't be friendly, not saying we shouldn't have an encouraging word for one another. If friendships form, they form. Um, but for the most part, just coming there to focus on 
reaching out to the Lord, that being a place where outside of my own home, I should be yeah. able to come to this place where it's designated for me to learn more of the word and to worship the Lord. And again, keep it cordial, keep my yeah. limits with people again, unless some natural relationships form that have to do with, you know, supporting each other's growth in Christ. But um, I kind of forgot your question. Oh yeah. About the healing. So that's, that's really what it came down to. And since yeah. then the Lord is even still working on me with that, just making yeah. sure it's on me. And that's, you know, and I think that's really what it kind of boils down to, because when we're in a place where it's toxicity, there's no way that we're going to be able to heal when things are still just festering down on the inside of us. And you're being taught one thing, but then you know this person to be this uh, this other way and openly shares their feeling about certain things so it's hard to really focus on what they're saying when you're seeing straight through them like that ain't what you said to me right and i know that other things are going on with other uh, you know other people and that you guys are trying to cover up. And it's just like, you know, like you say, how can you grow in an environment like that when you know that everything is just truly a facade? Right. You know, everybody's walking around like it's peaches and cream. You know, there's, you know, this is the perfect atmosphere, the perfect family, the perfect everything, the perfect ministry. But what it all boils down to, because mankind still has flesh, we're all going to mess up at some point in our lives. And that's why uh, repentance and where repentance come in, you know, for the things that we've done. But it's not for us to repent and go back and do the same thing again. And again, and again, and again, when you repent of it and ask for forgiveness, it's just like, okay, I put that behind me and I know better now, and now I'm going to do better. That's what it's supposed to be. Yes. Change mind. <laughs> Change mind. Yes. Transformed. Yes. So how important is it for you? when it comes to self-reflection. I mean, just looking back at everything, and like you say, you were, you, you know, you were worldly and yeah. you wanted to be a better person. And so you felt as though, okay, this is my way of going about doing that. So how important is, is it for you for self-reflection? It's life dependent. It's vital because yeah. in my self-reflection, I get to take my notes. I get to think about, where was my fault in the matter so that Satan is not mm -hmm. getting a foothold on me and using my weaknesses yeah. to, you know, couple with somebody else's weaknesses. And then we both fall in the trap. Mm -hmm. Like I need to use that time to reflect on where was Satan's lies? Like, what did I believe in my mind that those people aren't even responsible for? There was something that I allowed the enemy to tell me yeah. that allowed me to even open the door for them to even act on certain things. So I had to first get the truth. And one of the, fir one of the first truths I had to learn was 
you had these people on the pedestal because it wasn't any ordinary church. This was a church that operated in spiritual gifts. They were casting out demons. They were speaking in tongues. They were prophesying. And I'm watching this stuff come to pass. Like it was not fake. And so in my mind, thanks to the enemy, I believe it was nothing they told me, nothing I found in the world, in the word, but it was in my mind that, oh, the Lord wouldn't have anybody operating in these gifts if they didn't have a seventh, a, um, a certain level of maturity. So I didn't view them as perfect, but I certainly didn't think they would have the same issues that I had. I didn't think they would have issues with sexual abstinence. I didn't think they'd have issues with, um, I'd already stopped using profanity and someone had told me, I had learned through another friend that was a part of ch- not going to church, but she grew up in church and she had already cleaned my mouth up before I even got to the church. That was for something else. She hated when I cursed around her. So that helped me out. But um, but I'm gonna still put that on the list, like not getting drunk, not using profanity, not going to the nightclub. And I'm not saying this is what they were doing at that first church. I'm just making this long list. That yeah. Whatever I'm doing, I'm expecting you to be past that or else why are you then in the leadership uh, role and why would the Lord be allowing you to operate in these gifts? So right. again, it wasn't nothing. They told me, they didn't say, Hey, put me on this pedestal. I, I did that on my own. So that was the first, yeah. the first lie that I had to undo. And then the second one I would say is just, um, how could I put it? Condensing all these words together. Just the other truth that that learning what repentance really was that I needed my mind to change. And for my mind to change, it would take time. But again, do what I mentioned earlier, do what you know to do, do what you know to do. Right. And even being sexually abstinent, I had gotten that idea. I didn't even get that idea from church. I got that idea from TV. So I'd actually tried doing that years ago, but then it didn't work out. I was in the world and I was just doing it because it was a great idea to stay out of, you know, messed up relationships. So once I came back to the church, I'd wrestled with going back to that idea, but I didn't think it'd be someone in the church struggling with the same thing. And we would, you know, fall into, Mm. (laughs) fall into the same issues. So anyhow, just learning that people in church, no matter how much they know, um, how much I'm assuming they know because of how they're presenting themselves or a title, I have to just go by the evidence. And there's a scripture that says, you'll know them by their fruit. So I have to actually look for the fruit before I prejudge a thing. So I can't prejudge it to be something it is or something it's not. Like I have to actually wait to see for them to show and prove. And I think there's a scripture in Romans that talks about, um, I think it's in Romans about being able to prove what is that good and acceptable in the eyesight of the Lord. And so I, I didn't know what all of that stuff meant, but as I've been learning about those scriptures of discernment, it's just, again, you have to come to that full age, being able to be mature, to see, to discern what's evil, what's good, and then finding patterns and consistency, because sometimes the saints are up, sometimes they're down. And like I said, some, some are not saints at all. And I had to learn that too. There, everybody yeah. in church isn't a believer. Like some people came because it's a family tradition to do. Some people came because, you know, it's fellowship with their friends. Everyone's not there because they have the same uh, beliefs and revelations about who Jesus is or uh, same beliefs about the word. So those yeah. are all the lies I had to undo and actually treat people, uh, kind of from scratch, like, I don't know you at all. And I'm going to start yeah. off being cordial, being respectful, but I don't need to answer your questions about my personal life because I don't know what your intentions are. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. You wouldn't do, I wouldn't do that with a complete stranger off the street. So I can't think just because we walked in the four walls of a church building that it's all heaven here. So I would start with just, I had to undo those lies first. And I forgot your question, but that's part of the solution, <laughs> you know, in my you know healing what? process. <laughs> and it's all good. It is really all good because, you know, I was just listening to it all. And, and you really have to do what is what best for you in that kind of a situation and you don't really know what you're going to do until you get into a situation like that and I'm sure that was very triggering triggering you know if you were to go to um another place of worship and people start questioning you about your personal life and it's just like whoa wait a minute what is your motive behind this because I remember Mm -hmm. (laughs) when this happened to me before Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what I love about um, our devotion that we are part of every day, um, Sharpies. Yes. And, you know, because it really just helps us to continue to self-reflect. Yes. And just hearing other people's, you know, testimonies and their um, their truths and their transparency, you know, it just helps us to realize that, you know, we're not alone in this thing. And that there's so much that we still have to do as individuals, even though, you know, I've, I've left that church and everything. But there was one thing that that um, Rush would always say is that, you know, you don't bring clean clothes to a dirty laundry room. Mm. And everybody's in uh, the church is, was considered he used it um, like an analogy of using the church as being a laundromat. All right. That's Everybody true. is coming to get their weekly wash. You know yes. what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, we got to wash ourselves clean of the things that, you know, we no longer want to be a part of our lives. And, you know, it was something that happened to me this week that, you know, hurt me as well. And it was just like the words that people say. Mm. And especially when you have a really good relationship with them, their words can really change the tra- the trajectory, oh, if I can wow. talk, <laughs> of a relationship. And, you know, it just really hindered the 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 family relationship that I had with this person and it was just like wow you know another man has hurt me mm. you know and um and I and and I have this this thing about you know not dating anymore and 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 not being in relationships and that kind of thing and so it, it you know it just all kind of builds up but I don't want to have to still you know have that bitterness inside of me so right. I know that renewing my mind each and every day of those thoughts is what I need to do in order to help me to become a better person. And, you know, I knew this conversation was going to be juicy and we've we've come down to like the end of the hour. But what I want to ask you, because you've shared, you know, so much, you've been so transparent is, you know, what advice can you give to someone that has been church hurt that seeks spiritual healing? 
I would start off with saying forgiveness. And I'm going to say that for two reasons. One, when I told uh, that pastor at the first church that I was going to leave, I called him up and I said, I'm leaving. He said, I don't want you to leave yet. Don't make a decision yet. He said, I have something special for you. Just just show up. And so I actually came. No, I, I talked to another young lady that morning that I never even had a personal intimate conversation with. I forgot what led us to be on the phone. Um, yeah. But it all worked out. So when I got to church, there was a prophet that came to speak at the church and he ended up saying like he was going around and his message was supposed to be about like tithes and offering and what people should be given to the church. And he was a well-known prophet in the area that was always on point, always prophesied on point, always came to pass, um, no inconsistencies. Now I didn't know all this till after the fact, um, but I get there. And so when it was my turn for him to prophesy to me, he was like, you know what? You give to the church, but you could give a little more. So he started talking about my giving and I know how I give out. I'll, I'll give some, but I'll, I'll, I'll be shaving off some, you know, because I want to <laughs> make sure I, I can still survive and pay my bills. So I was like, I know boy, Lord, right. you're on point already. And then, so I just laughed when he was prophesying to me about my giving or giving a word of knowledge or however they say it. Um, Cause it wasn't really foretelling, but anyhow. Um, but then he was like, he kind of, like jerked and his eyes closed and he was like, oh, the Lord is giving me something else. He said, hold on a second. I said, oh, it's about to get real now. And it's the mm-hmm. only one it's happened to. Um, well, no, I was just the someone after me when I'm about to tell you. So he looked back at the pastor because they were really good friends. And he said, yeah. listen, he said, I just got to tell, um, please allow me to just tell this young lady what the Lord is having me to tell her. And he said, go ahead, do your thing. Because the pastor already knew what I was going through. This guy has no clue, you know? Mm -hmm. So I guess he was like, it's about to get real up in here and I don't want to lose no friendships, but I got to say what the Lord had to say. You know, that's kind of how I took it. So he looked back at me and he said, you've been hurt by phony people in this ministry. Wow! And the ministry wasn't that big. It was only like a faithful 20. And by then I had already acted a clown. So everybody knew what the situation was, who was there, who came consistently. So who was all involved. So he goes, the Lord is telling you to forgive. And at first I was like, I'm bawling, crying, but I'm like, forgive. I don't really know how to do that or what that means. You know, like, that's all you gonna say, Lord. But um, <laughs> but as I started to walk in that, within, so it started by after that word came forth, uh, the mother apologized to me after that message. The um, the sister apologized. That's where a lot of that's where a lot of the information I got came from that I was sharing with you yeah. earlier. Those were words out of their own mouth, not my opinion. Yeah. Those were words they were telling me, like because they wanted to come clean about how they felt about me and why they were doing what they was doing, you know. Yeah. So um, that's where I got my confirmation on where their mind was and why they treated me the way they treated me. Um, but anyhow, so they apologized. Um. I still didn't understand forgiveness. And it really was a walk for me because that was a really big stronghold that I grew up with. Like that was my defense growing up in the world is being unforgiven, holding grudges. Yeah. Um, it helped me not to trust you again, you know, but coming yeah. over as a believer, it's the total opposite. And it's like, now, yeah. wait a minute now, hold up. So the Lord teaching me what forgiveness means that that's you know, someone having a debt, they have a rightful debt to you. They truly do owe you this X amount of money or this X amount of respect. But as a born again believer, you do for them what I did for you, which yeah. is to release the debt. So I'm acknowledging that they really did harm you. That's not, you know, it, they really did owe you that love. They really were supposed to do X, Y, and Z. So we're going to acknowledge that. But now yeah. as you being a believer, we're going to acknowledge your role, which is to release it. 
release the debt because if you do not release that debt then i'm not going to release the debt on you and i i I got a book of debt on you since you was you know practically born you know or since age accountability whatever that is um when you knew better whatever age that was but um so the lord just reminded me of that lets me know that really is the first step to healing is that forgiveness and then going forward from there you just continue to learn how to have boundaries, like really pray to the Lord about how to have boundaries when speaking to people. And I had to go from being an open book and telling my whole life to any and everybody to then actually sitting back, being slow to speak, as the scripture says, being slow to speak and really trying to hear what the Lord is telling me when people are speaking to me and really listening to what people are saying and actually waiting for follow through. And I've had circumstances um, after that where I actually had to apply that knowledge where I was, you know, dating somebody else and um, a family member was asking me questions. And I was like, yeah, I've been here before. We ain't doing this because I already know (laughs) there's a good chance you ain't on my side, you know. So um, and I was slightly persecuted for it. It was like, you know, you need to tell me and and why aren't you telling me? And I just stood my ground. Like, I don't, I don't see the point. I don't wow. see the wisdom in it, you know? And so anyway, there wasn't a fallout, but I just had to stand my ground in that. So I would just really pray for, again, for someone to really walk in forgiveness, really learn how to set boundaries with whoever they need to. I mean, boundaries with everybody. There's certain limits depending on the relationships yeah. um, that you have and you never put your full trust in man. I think that might be a scripture too. Scripture too. Ooh, now you said a mouthful <laughs> right there. Never put your full trust in men. And we're going to end it right there. All right. And I think that, um, girl, I got to write that down. Never put your full trust <laughs> right. in man. And, um, And I just think that this has been a great conversation to have because there's so many of us that have dealt with this kind of thing. And it really just boils down to like, once again, the relationship that you have with your higher power and basically helping getting into a, into a place that can, can truly help you through your healing of it all. And I think that you gave, three really good uh, tips for us and that was forgiveness boundaries and never put your full trust in man because your trust is supposed to be in God himself so thank you so much you. Um, Cheryl Miss Cheryl, aka sure peace <laughs> hey I have that name so that I do not act a fool and keep my wisdom I know that's right hey we gotta do it we gotta do it so thank you once again. I'll be seeing you in Clubhouse, the yeah. Clubhouse rooms and in our devotional. And um, that is going to do it for us this evening on Shine with Shondell. Join us again in two weeks, same time, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on the Intentional Talk Radio Network. Have a great evening. All right. Take care.